Honorable members, honorable members, order. Switch on the microphone. Switch on the microphone. We are rising on a point of order. On a point of order. The microphones must be on. Welcome to Politics Unmuted, where our microphones are never muted and we turn up the volume on all things political. I'm Connita Hunter, the politics editor at News24. I'm Peter Detoy, assistant editor for In-Depth News at News24. And I'm Lisa Gatandwa, the News24 political reporter. Coming up, we'll be talking economic recovery, which some politicians have described as a wish list and a letter to Santa. But we'll also delve into what's been described as the corruption pandemic and how the ANC is simply not getting a grip on the situation. But first, thank you guys um, for joining me. It's been a really, really exciting road up <laughs> until this point. And so I'm so excited that we're doing this. Yeah, it's good being in the office, uh, even though it's empty. Uh, it's good being back at our old stomping grounds. I'm, I'm really excited because I have come to know the two of you over the past six months while working remotely. Um, and I know how fired up the two of you get at news and current affairs. Peter, I imagine you arguing with your TV, watching Don, Donald Trump <laughs> late at night. Liz, if you could throw a shoe at a populist politician <laughs> making empty promises, you probably would. <laughs> uh, me, on the other hand, I'm just stretched up, so I'm happy to be here. I think you're right. I mean, but luckily the US elections are coming to a close and we can stop arguing with uh, CNN late at night. That's if uh, Donald Trump doesn't become the president. <laughs> but, you know, let's not talk about... So, so okay, let's talk about the U.S. Po- <laughs> politics for, for two seconds. Don't you feel better about being a South African when you watch uh, what's going on in the U.S.? Look, you know, I, I've been watching these, this, this for a good while now. And, you know, they can take some lessons from us. But, but seriously, if you, if you think our institutions in that country have also been undermined by, by a sitting president. I mean, we've been through it. We could have uh, uh, given them some pointers but it has been fascinating to watch i think just not only america but you look at how the first world countries the big countries have handled COVID 19 and you look at how we've handled COVID 19 i think really we have done exceptionally well as opposed to our competitors but they do they do politics like sport and i think we're starting to do the same thing it's a it's a national pastime isn't it Gwyneth? but i do think when, when it comes to the economy they're probably going to have the last half. yes no, that's true <laughs> because that's true. because we are really not in a mood to point fingers at mm. them because yeah. of how bad our economy is doing at the moment but i mean first on our agenda let's let's talk about the economic recovery plan uh, the president obviously presented last week an economic and rest- uh, reconstruction development plan to parliament something that was a cobble up of, you know, ANC proposals, NEDLAP uh, suggestions, what business had put forward, and the president obviously taking on a leadership role in terms of our economic recovery, not leaving it to the finance minister and to the national treasury. Obviously, there has been some pushback to Mm. that plan. And for the first time, opposition parties are not saying that this is a bad plan. They're saying it's a wonderful plan. But it's just a wish list. There's a couple of couple of things that that we need to discuss. First up, you know, and, and you've touched on all of them: the efficiency or the, uh, you know, is this is this the right plan for where we are now? I mean, the lot of criticism that have been leveled against Ramaphosa is that it's a rehash of stuff that we've heard over the last couple of years. It is fascinating though to see the opposition's reaction saying, "We'll help you. This is a great plan." You know, it's a change of tack. It's a change of political uh, direction for them. You know, obviously the polit- opposition party's main function is to criticize 
criticize government and to identify issues and problems as they see them. So so maybe it's an opportunity to move forward. But the plan is is so broad. And, and the biggest issue, I think, with the plan, guys, it, it doesn't adequately address the big issues that we've got in the country. Yeah. You know, SOEs remains the biggest drag yeah. on our fiscus. You know, how many times have we now heard that we're going to break up ESCOM into three sub, uh, constituent parts? Stuff needs to start happening. And I think the discrepancy between a plan on a piece of paper and implementation mm. is still too big. I, I completely agree with you. When I look at some of the points, I mean, that uh, the opposition parties really delved into the IPPs, for instance, Spectrum, deadline for mm. Spectrum being mm. still, we're still waiting yes. for Spectrum to be next year. Yeah. The the issue of IPPs, the fact that the IPPs, even though he's given municipalities and private companies a leeway, but they still have to go back to, the, these IPPs still have to go back to, to ESCOM. ESCOM has to buy the energy with uh, in, in the IPPs. We look at the SAA bailout, the, I think it's 16? 16 billion, 14 billion or 16 billion. That's also something Kosatu has really criticized. We look at the 300 uh, rands for grant grant money for COVID COVID grants. Even though he's given Kosatu some, you know, he's he's given them some, uh, he's appeased them to some degree, but they wanted the the grant to be extended uh, quite further. President has got the right ideas. He's got the right instruments. It's the deliverables. And that's what has been happening in South Africa for for a long time, Mm. is that since the dawn of democracy, is Mm. that we do have these plans. We had, yeah, we had the NDP, but we don't, we can't deliver. And that's been been the biggest problem for this country. No one is going to look at the president and say, your promise for 800,000 job opportunities is a bad thing. We need jobs. We need job opportunities. But the question is, there was a similar proposal mm. uh, made some years ago, and there's mm. been no data that that was even successful at all. Mm. So what what gives you that level of confidence that you are going to be able to deliver on these job opportunities? And then and then the most important question is where is the money mm. going to come from? I don't I know. If, <laughs> are you asking us if there's confidence? Because I don't think there is confidence, yeah. Quinita. I don't think you can have confidence mm. that it will be uh, be implemented. I mean, when when Tito Mbaweni became Minister of Finance in October I 2018, you know, he issued <laughs> he issued the same warnings as as we are hearing mm. right now. Yeah. I mean, when he became Minister of Finance, he had a look at the national uh, accounts, he had a look at our books, and said, "Look, guys, we're Stop. in trouble here. Screwed. You know, we're in trouble here. Um, SAA, ESCOM." unemployment, the extraordinary high way bill, wage bill in the public sector. I mean, all he, all these issues he identified. We are two years down the line, you know, and what has changed? Has Have they taken one, just take one problem by the scruff of the neck and sort it out. Yeah. You know, you can't do everything. Yeah. And we're now so deep in the mire, you know, that if, if the president was to walk in this room, you know, I tell him, just pick one of these big yeah. problems and then sort it out. Just one. That's the, the part of, of the Ramaphosa administration and the frustration that I have with, with the Tijumbuweni-led Treasury is that your job is not to tell us what the problems are. We know what the problems mm. are. Your job is to fix it. Mm. And, and, and I think that's where someone like the finance minister gets away scot-free all mm. the time is because he's like, but I've been telling you how mm. bad things are. Uh, you know, here's the rot at, at ESCOM. Here's the rot. So they repeat the problem, which is a far cry from where we were in the Jacob Zuma administration. Mm. But 
How are you going to fix it? Well, guys, I can ask you this because you guys work in the trenches with politics. Does Tito Mbaweni have the political backing to implement the changes that needs to change? Thank cha- you. I because, was actually about to say that. that because that's the problem. Because selling off SAA. I mean, let's take SAA for example. Mm. It's it. If if we're going to sell off SAA, I mean that breaks like 42 conference mm. resolutions or whatever the case may be you know then everyone's head is on the chopping block because we you know that all so so does he have that the frustration can he implement and, and, it and, he, and he expresses that frustration oddly enough on twitter or with his uh cooking with fish and garlic but i when, heard you say <laughs> cocaine and i thought i'm sorry Tito, Tito, if you're listening i'm sorry to this, <laughs> don't sue us but it's it's funny enough that i had this on my on on my notes is that the rift between Tito and Ramaphosa in terms of the planning, and also you can you can see it in terms of what the frustrations that are expressed by Tito. Tito has been saying during COVID nineteen, the sale of cigarettes needs to come back because we need that money. He said he's had a, a strong stance on on COVID nineteen grants. COVID nineteen, we don't have that money. Mm-hmm. So you, I, as much as you say that, Kanita, that he is a man who's consistently t- telling us about the problems, but he's also sitting there in the corner and no one is willing to give him a hand. I think that. <laughs> you know, y- yes, yes. But also, you know, why do we make him and Ramaphosa victims when mm. they are, yeah. when they have yeah. the power? Okay. Mm. You know, mm. if you are not, if you don't want to be politically uh, unpopular, it's it's not on but us. I, but I don't think... just do the, pop- the politically unpopular thing. Do your job. The problem is that they're beholden to the ANC, they're beholden to the NEC, they're beholden to SACP, they're beholden to the markets. I mean, they're beholden to, to Kosato. That is the issue, is that Ramaphosa is this consultative president mm. and he really can't run away from from that image or that brand that he has maybe you guys can elaborate more <laughs> which which this plan was very indicative of in the sense that he wanted to please everyone mm. he really did want to yeah. please everyone so so why would you why would you mention something like uh you know we need to introduce or the or the idea of introducing a wage um an unemployment grant for example when we really can't afford it we just cannot afford it. So, so by mentioning it, it's like almost like ticking off a box. Okay, mm. I've mm. I've appeased the unions. Okay, mm. business, yeah. let me appease you. But these are all competing things, and yeah. you can't appease everyone. Which means we're we're going to continue muddling on through. We're going to continue in this quagmire of indecision and a lack of progress for the foreseeable future. Like you said, um, give me one thing. Just just, <laughs> just sort out one, one thing. thing. You know, if it's SAA. <laughs> or health, or edu- you know, whatever yeah. the case may be, just sort out yeah. one thing. You know, what's the use of having political power if you don't wield it, Granita mm. and, and Liz? You know, we can say what we want about Jacob Zuma, but he knew, you know, the executive office of head of state is not an ex- in- insignificant power that you've got. He just went too far. He went too <laughs> far. But 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 Cyril Ramaphosa needs to understand that he does have constitutional powers as head of state, and he needs to You're running out of time, Peter. But, it's, it's, Us it's, or, or no, the country. The country. <laughs> No, the, podcast the, podcast is is the podcast is still fine, but Ramaphosa is running out of yes. time. He, I mean, yeah. when uh, when is he going to to get the? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ramaphosa. Get those, get the balls, dude. Yeah, the cojones. <laughs> now it's cocaine. Now it's balls. No, We're going to be sued. But, but Liz, you're right. So, 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 what I found fascinating about the U.S. election, we spoke about it earlier, is if it, you know, lots of these news outlets are taking stock of what what Trump achieved. You know, his promises and what he achieved. If we if we're going to do the same thing with Ramaphosa, I'm wondering what that balance mm-hmm. sheet will say. Now we're approaching next year, you've got the ANC's NGC. We know it's not an elective conference, but it is going to be contentious. 
And guys, the contestation for 2022 has already started. Mm. You know, so so Ramaphosa needs to, if if he wants to stay, he's going to have to tell the electorate, this is what I've done. Yeah. Otherwise, like Liz says, we're running out of time. But it's interesting when you see the, the opposition and how they're preying on the divisions within the mm. ANC. It was very clever of the DA to say to Ramaphosa, let's combine your supporters in the ANC and, and our support and the opposition benches and let us help you pass <laughs> your reforms. And I thought, you sneaky man, John. <laughs> and you essentially become a DA president. <laughs> <laughs> because, because that's exactly how you would remove, how the ANC would remove yeah. Ramaphosa. If there's, any, yeah. Yeah. if there's anything that I mean, Ramaphosa can literally set the country on fire and he won't be removed yeah, as president. Yeah. But if he aligns himself yeah. with the DA yeah. uh, to pass reforms, he he's as good as gone. And guys, that's the problem with the ANC, isn't it? I mean, they see everything through the prism of the party. Mm. There's nothing outside that prism of the party. I mean, when you speak to, you know, like I'm sure you guys do, we all do, you speak to people in the ANC on, on as many parts of the many divides that there are. But, you know, the problem is always diagnosed through the prism of the, the ANC. Party, yeah. it's, it's not what's good for the country. And look, guys, what's happening in the country now is not good for anyone, mm. least of all ANC mm. members. Mm. And what's happening in the country, obviously, is this corruption pandemic that's uh, uh, persisting. And it's always been a big issue. But it really is a big issue now because if you don't sort out your corruption problem, you are not going to sort out your investment problem. And without investment, there is no economic recovery plan yeah. to speak about. How bizarre is it that almost two-thirds of spending in relation to COVID-19 procurement is currently under investigation by the Special Investigating Unit. So let's look at the figures very quickly. Of the 15.6 billion rand spent on personal protective equipment and other COVID-19 procurement from April to August, the Special Investigating Unit is probing contracts procurement with 10.5 billion rand. So that's two-thirds of spending during this time. You think you can't be shocked anymore? We saw this train coming. And people <laughs> said it was going to happen. It's so we sad that we did, though. It's, we don't have this money, do we? Mm. I mean, it's it's we didn't have this money. It's like a drunk uncle maxing out a credit card, you know, getting another credit card, and then you know, pissing it away again. You know, this is what's happening. And and there needs to be repercussions. You know, mm. where are the repercussions for this party and this government going to come from? But the fact that we spend so much money on PPE and two thirds of it is under investigation. You know, like like you know, I, I thought I couldn't be shocked anymore. It's but it, really it's scary. it's I mean, you look at people what need to go to jail. Yeah, for you I look don't at think our jails. We have enough jails for this. <laughs> I'm just talking about like COVID nineteen <laughs> corruption <laughs> alone. <laughs> I feel like we need to take these uh, bankrupt hotels and turn yeah. them into <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saudi Arabia. But really, if you look at, for instance, Ramaphosa spoke about six hundred and sixty four billion of of monies that he is he's been promised by investors worldwide and of that one hundred and seventy something. This was this been, was obviously pre COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. Of uh, one one seventy something of that has been delivered, but it exposes the. I mean, if if we're talking about what has been delivered as opposed to what what the investors are promising, it exposes what investors think about South Africa, mm. and that's that's and the fact that we have COVID nineteen corruption, it further gives uh, our investors a jitter. We we the investors further get. 
okay, am yeah. I am I going to be able to come to this country and 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 bring in my money and what's going? Am I going to get deliverables? Mm. Am I going to get profits? The whole yeah. When you speak about the COVID nineteen, the the PPE pandemic, the corruption pandemic. It says a heck of a lot about the ethics and morality of, of the governing party that, you know, using a national health emergency where people died, mm-hmm. uh, where, where, where hospitals were under extraordinary pressure, uh, where our whole way of life was upended. You know, that this was seen as an opportunity to eat again, you know? I don't want to place it purely on the governing party. Yes, yes, we, we, we can look at, at, at the ANC, but I think it says a lot about the morality of South Africa yes. as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I think you look at, for yeah. instance, But the fish rots from the head and yes. really this is a manifestation yes. of that. Yeah. Yes, uh, fair enough. The, the thing about, for me is that the corruption pandemic is so is so um, entrenched in society that we it's actually like an organized crime syndicate. Mm. And, and the governing party has become an organized crime mm. syndicate. So, so I don't really think that we actually can hold people accountable in a way that that would be uh you know fair to the public right mm. i think what's more important and I, I i could be wrong is that we need to just plug the holes we need mm. to stop the looting let's let's mm. start there and mm. then we'll hold people accountable mm. oh or, or i don't know if we could just what can do we, we do yeah, how about to use amnesty no, 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 <laughs> we're not going to tell you why can't we do both why can't we do no i think i think you're right i think you know systems need to be t- look like like Liz we said earlier you know the plans are there you know the systems you know uh, when you you know like we've all done when you read through ag's reports and you listen attend meetings of the standing committee on public accounts both in gauteng and at parliament you know the systems are there but when you work with human beings and when there's a when the system you you, t- you said about the, the fish that rots from the head if the system is corrupted from A to Z, when the supply chain management system from from the conceptualization of a tender to delivery is corrupt, it's very stop, difficult to plug those holes. So you need carrot and stick. The stick's not working very well at the moment. We've seen some arrests. Uh, NPA is starting to awaken from its slumber. The Hawks, the Hawks have been pretty surprising, and that's a different topic altogether. But you need the stick as well. I do think that we, we need to do both. I think that we, there needs to be consequences. We need to see people uh, going to jail. But at the same time, I agree with you that those holes need to be plugged. We need to go back to the drawing board, find out what was lacking, find out what we need to do in order to ensure that this doesn't happen again. But it's been this. It's not something that it's new. It's mm. not these kind of uh, suggestions. The governing party already knows them, mm. but I, I'm not sure what, what's lacking. And I mean, Ramaphosa was was warned. I think it was outside Helen Joseph when 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 he was on a walkabout just at the beginning of mm. the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, and journalists asked him, "What about the impending corruption that we're going to see?" Mm. And he, and he said, almost naively, that I'm not going to allow it to happen. So so the fact that he said that he was not going to allow it to happen, and now two thirds of COVID nineteen uh, procurement in this short period, April to August, is under investigation. Uh, where, where does the buck stop? Well, I've, I certainly feel for the new Auditor General. I forget her uh, name, but I mean, she's got a, she's got uh, a job uh, cut out for her. Uh, Conita, I, I, you know, we, we can debate this, and, and, but, but we've been sitting with corruption and writing and speaking and talking about corruption for, for more than a decade. You know, and we're only now starting to see some form or another of accountability being exacted. Luckily, we are seeing people going to court now, but it's a long way to go.
I wish I wish we could see a lot of people going to court in municipalities because that's where the the, yeah. the yeah. rot is. Yes. Uh, I'm talking about, for instance, municipalities in the Eastern Cape where I come from. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a, that's a different movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that province alone, the kind wild, of, wild uh, that pro- yeah, Exactly, that province alone kind of demonstrates the trouble that we're mm. in. We're mm. really in a critical state mm. in South Africa, and no one has been held accountable for. Every single year, the Auditor General comes back with financial reports. And every single year, it's the same thing in all of those municipalities. Mm, mm. And no one is held to account. Mm. Municipal managers still remain at the helm. But also, there's there's no political accountability. I mean, Mm. we're speaking about about, uh, criminal liability and and civil liability. But there's no political accountability and liability either. I mean, when you speak about a, a municipal... I was in Senegal last Friday. The town looks. I mean, the, the, the roads are terrible. The water is 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 intermittent. I mean, electricity is cut off almost all the time. You know, everyone suffers under poor service delivery. But the municipal managers remain in their positions, and they earn serious money. You know, a municipal manager manager in Machuabeng, which includes Senegal, eight hundred north of eight hundred thousand rands a month. You know, or year for doing what? And. So the ANC, you know, in this COVID-19 uh, crisis, knowing now that obviously their support base, uh, the economy has really, you know, made people hungrier, more desperate, um, just, mm. you know, exacerbated uh, poverty, yeah. the racial divide, etc. So the ANC obviously knows that it needs some sort of reform in this regard because... It's local, in trouble. It's in trouble. Local government elections is coming up. and And so... They came up with this grand thing in August where they said, if you are implicated in corruption, you need to step aside. And well, what is the month now? We're in October. September. It's end of October. We're end of October. It's yeah. almost November. Yeah. And the ANC is now looking for legal advice because they don't know what step aside means. I, I, it, it's actually funny when I spoke to some of my sources straight after that NEC uh, meeting and in uh, August, in August, yeah. a lot of them said that they, they failed in that they haven't expanded in what is stepping aside meaning. What would stepping stepping aside mean? And the people that need to step aside are going to see that loophole and going to, they're going to mm. use it. People like Zandile Kumede mm. and her followers have already started to use it. Because that. what does it mean? Does There's it no mean guideline. you go on a holiday? Exactly. So, so you employed no by parliament and, and you step aside, so you still get your salary, you perform no duty mm. for mm. two years or three years, yeah. use the, the, the funds from the state mm. to fight your put your your case and then what it's it's difficult to see uh i wanted to say a positive outcome but it's difficult to see any progress on this issue i mean like you say it's two months almost three august september october you know two and a half months after after that momentous decision which everyone hailed but the anc have not been able to internally uh, self-correct or internally decide how they're going to manage this. Yeah. I mean, you won't see people voluntarily stepping aside. Bongo is he's Bongo, back in parliament. He's, he's, there's no way he's going to step no. aside. There's and no way Ace if if he does get arrested at some point. I'm not I'm not sure, but there's no way that he's going to step aside. I mean, they're going to fight this tooth and nail. Which then sets the precedent for a councillor in a municipality in in somewhere in rural Limpopo. Andy Lelungis, and, <laughs> your friend. <laughs> Our friend, the friend of the friend of the media, so it definitely sets a, a, an important precedent. I think the ANC's National Working Committee this week uh, has agreed to get 
guidelines on how the stepping aside would work. They've approached uh, advocate Nina Malindi to come up with some sort of legal opinion, but also they want him to, to provide legal opinion on this very contentious issue of family members of politicians doing business with the state. Mm. So that's one issue in the ANC, right? Because in light of Ace Mahashule, Nomvula Mokunyani and others, right? But then there's a little bit of a more broader issue, which Kasatu has been really pushing hard at Nedlak, and that is whether politically exposed people should be banned from doing business with the state. Mm. Look, it's so complicated. It's so convoluted. I mean, any 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 process like this, there will be resistance. And you could well imagine court challenges against whatever uh, uh, the legal opinion might say. You can well imagine uh, if the NWC orders someone to step aside, you know, going to the High Court for an application, then to the SCA, then to the Constitutional Court. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that the, if, if the ANC was serious about this, they, it wouldn't have needed to go through this convoluted legal process to figure out what does step aside mean. The you know, reality, if, if, and if the leadership, mm. Liz, had moral authority, yeah. you mm. know, then people would have listened to the leadership. Yeah. But now, now yeah. everyone's compromised. Yeah. But, and, and also the reality is that this, this is not a new resolution. This resolution was was unpacked at the 2017 Nasrik uh, conference. So it's it's not something, it's just that they never followed up on mm. it. And again, ANC during, saying something that they, they will do something, but, but not really uh, copping up. Like the economic plans, like the economic plans. You know? <laughs> and, and, and so I had a very funny conversation with uh, someone who said to me, it's not our fault that you guys take what we say very seriously. Hey, <laughs> I was, I was floored. I, I was stunned to say, yeah, I'm a person of many words. I had no comeback. It's like, you know, yeah. we, Donald Trump politics. <laughs> well, yeah. It's not our fault you think we're going to actually implement our resolution. Well, from That's God's not to us. your ears, yes. you know? So let's let's not take them at face value. Yes, and that's the that's the problem. I think that's where the the idea or the plan for uh, politically exposed persons to not uh, have any dealings with the state that's that's going to be something that the ANC or the Ramaphosa administration will have a, a hard fight or a hard battle. Liz, you can't legislate for everything. You mm. can't have a regulation or you know it's some things are right and some things are. Yeah. Wrong. You know, if you if if an organizational culture is such that that you have to nitpick over every single thing, then there's a big fundamental mm. problem. The ANC they've got some serious serious fundamental issues in mm. that organization. I mean, PEPs and uh, doing business with the state and all this. I mean, it's 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 and it's, that's just it's, this it's, year. It's, <laughs> can you can you can you imagine the machinery and the infrastructure? You know, everything that you have to build in your party to ensure that no one does something wrong because you don't trust anyone. Because that's exactly that's in effect what they're saying. We don't trust everyone, so we have to legislate and make rules for every single thing. Mm. It's impossible. Sometimes things are wrong or right, and they don't know what it is. So the one thing I want us to explore in a future episode is this constant argument of, you know, where must our kids do business with? Because the state mm. is the biggest procurer of mm. goods and services. How fundamentally flawed mm. that argument is yeah. that where else must must our where else must we buy Maseratis and, and Ferraris from if mm. we can't uh, you know get it from the state. Mm. And and I think maybe there is some there's some goodness in them in admitting that because you understand the economic crisis that South Africa is that Literally, those who are in power in this country or in leadership in this country 
only see the state mm. as as the means to solve all our problems and no uh, economy can be fixed mm. um, if we constantly just state. pull mm. and pull and pull out of the state. We should maybe get the chief procurement officer of Treasury in here and, and have that discussion with him and, and, and talk to him about you know what government is doing, what Treasury is doing to mm. try and tighten up those rules. Look, uh, Kwanita, I think it's a, it's a fascinating question that you're posing and it's a philosophical question about how business and economy and opportunity works in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we, if you only see that this, the state as the sole uh, opportunity to get ahead in life and, and, and as, as a source of yeah. entrepreneurialism, then we've got a problem. You know, then the problem is much lower down in the system where we're going to have to create a entrepreneurial class where people uh, need to think outside of the box and need to go and look for business opportunities and econ- opportunities for economic advancement elsewhere. The problem with procurement from the state all the time is that it's it's almost always dependent on who you know yeah and you know the the, the examples of of rent extraction is i mean there is legion there are so many of them and and you spoke about the cars i think what what really riled me up the last week or the last couple of weeks is to see what happens with taxpayers money mm. you know you buy a maserati or a bentley not one two three four or five i mean it's so, so i had a conversation with a friend as we wrap up i'm like why would you just take the money and open a cheese and yama like you can employ four people there and open a car wash and employ yeah. five people yeah. there yeah. it won't do like it won't it, will it won't take you, anything out yeah, on, yeah but like just mm. you know if you're gonna steal 200 million like employ a few people what i can't, yeah. like, what I can't <laughs> understand about that 200 million is why can't you do the job you're gonna get the money yeah. why can't you do the job but she's okay that's also an future podcast <laughs> so you guys gotta come back for the next um, episode but I think we need to explore what the state capture era did for corruption corruption always happened what state capture did and especially I think the free state is that you it was free money mm. you can take the money for nothing mm. because it was a collusion mm. Mm. of private individuals politicians and civil servants all working together really really tight and they were fearless fearless mm. absolutely because there was no it was within period. i mean how do you just no. take 50 million for no reason and just take it out of yeah, for nothing yeah, yeah. N- nothing not even uh not even an invoice so that's all we have for you today from all of us at politics and muted thanks for listening this episode was produced by my colleague Catherine rice and recorded by shante schatz music was courtesy of getty images and epidemic sound If you've enjoyed this episode, please come back to News24, rate us and follow the conversation on hashtag politicsunmuted. Goodbye.